Hawkeye's history. I'm Belle. I'm Ellen. And this is the podcast where we talk about all of the things that might have maybe happened in history that you may or may not have learned about in your high school history class. Something fun, something spicy. Keep it salacious. Keep it salacious. (laughs) Yeah. Every time I think of salacious, I think of Salisbury steak. Just the which that's us. And that's the meaty podcast. We are a meaty podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right. um, Well, starting it off because I'm not sure if Mercury's still in retrograde, but this uh, first episode is a little bit witchy. So here we go. Um, So in November of 2008, U.S. President-elect Barack Obama made a joke in a press conference after being asked whether or not he had spoken to all the living presidents, responding, I have spoken to all of them who are living. I didn't want to get into a Nancy Reagan thing about doing any seances. He then (laughs) apologized shortly after. Obama. Okay. Well, there's no evidence that the former FLOTUS, which, (laughs) if you don't know, um, it's First Lady of the United States and POTUS is President of the United States, uh, was ever involved in seances. That doesn't mean she wasn't down to get a little witchy. Ooh. So, bringing it back a little bit. So, Nancy Davis Reagan was born as Anne Frances Robbins on July 6th, 1921, at Sloan Hospital for Women in New York City to parents Kenneth Seymour Robbins and Edith Prescott Luckett. How did we get from Anne to Nancy? So, we're going to get there real quick. Um, Apparently, it's one of those things that, like, Nancy was a nickname for Anne, Oh, like like Peggy, and like Bob Margaret? for Robert. Okay, yeah, like Peggy and Mark. That's why I don't understand. But like Bob Robert, it's like the ob, mm-hmm. right? And Anne Nancy, right? But Anne is already a short name, so why do you need a nickname? Uh, Nancy, I don't know. Well, why like, would you make a longer name as your nickname? I don't know, man. <laughs> but like Anne is regal. Like, but okay, I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, let's ask Edith. Edith. <laughs> Hashtag have a say. Have a say. <laughs> okay, so Kenneth came for money and worked as a car salesman, while Edith was an actress. Uh, fun fact: later in life, uh, no one really knows why, but Nancy would claim that she was actually born in 1923. So she would claim that she was born two years after she actually was. Same date. Uh, why would you just do two years? Maybe it's a better star chart. Just struck yeah, me. I, I mean, I guess, yeah, I would I would do that <laughs> if I had, yeah. I will say, I've been listening to a bunch of podcasts, uh, as per usual, and I would say 80% of them had a date of, like, a murder or an execution or something that was on my birthday in, like, various years, August 21st. Oh. Yeah, and I, like, I, I kind of like that. It's Leo season, baby. Kind of spooky. I always bit. feel like dates are always one day before my birthday. Mm. Or one day after. Mm-hmm. What's your birthday again? April 16th. Okay. All right. One day after tax day. What's your sign? Aries. Okay. Yeah, that, that tracks. <laughs> You're a gen- Wait, what's your rising, though? I have no idea. Oh, we'll talk about this later. <laughs> okay. So, soon after Nancy was born, um, Kenneth and Edith separated, after which Edith began traveling around the country for various acting jobs, and Nancy went to live with her aunt and uncle in Bethesda, Maryland, for the next six years. Uh, during this time, Nancy missed her mother a ton, saying, quote-unquote, my favorite times were when mother had a job in New York, and Aunt Virgie would take me by train to stay with her. 
which is what a name though aunt virgie i think it was virginia or something i like it yeah virgie So, in 1928, Kenneth and Edith officially divorced. Scandalous. I know. Uh, Soon after which, Edith married Loyal Edward Davis. That is his actual name. Not Lyle, it's Loyal. Um, He was a prominent neurosurgeon. And in 1938, Davis legally adopted Nancy, after which her surname was changed from Robbins to Davis. Um, Loyal was a staunch political conservative, which uh, people have postulated that it might have influenced Nancy's support of Reagan being her husband, being a Republican. Okay. Yeah. Though apparently before he became involved in politics, uh, he identified as a Democrat, but that's like a, that's a whole other thing, regardless. Um, Interesting. I know. Uh, in 1943, Nancy graduated from Smith College with degrees in English and drama, after which she moved to Chicago to pursue a career in acting. While there, she held day jobs as a sales clerk and nurse's aide, ultimately moving to New York after landing a part in Seizu Pitt's 1945 off-Broadway production of Ramshackle Inn, um, which fittingly is about a spinster librarian who buys a rundown seaside hotel, which turns out to be haunted. <laughs> Apparently the ghosts are friendly. I think I... Like Casper? I, I think they were nice ghosts. I don't know. She's... Whoever the main character is in Ramshackle Inn is living the dream. Living in a haunted hotel? Ghosts are chill. That's your dream? I mean, as long as they're chill ghosts. Anyway, in 1946, Nancy dabbled in yellow face. Not a good look. (laughs) Then or now. Yeah. In the Broadway musical Loot Song, after she was told by a producer that you look like you could be Chinese. Which, no. Not at all. But, like, even if she did, no. <gasps> oh, my word. Yeah. No. No, not good then. Not good now. <laughs> Looking at you, ScarJo and Ghost in the Shell. In 1949, Nancy bagged a seven-year contract with MGM Studios after successfully passing a screen test. Uh, shortly after arriving in Hollywood, she met the then president of the Screen Actors Guild, or SAG, who is none other than one Mr. Ronald Wilson. Reagan. Oh. I know. RWR. We love a palindrome. Wait, so she's how old at this point? Do you know? Let's see. Yeah. So this is 1949, and she was, so she's 28. Good age. Yes, it's good age. I feel like that's kind of old for that time to be a movie star. Maybe that's that's why she lied about her age. Yeah. She couldn't pull off, you know, 23, but she could pull off 26. God, I'm 26. Wait. She couldn't pull off. Like, so if she was going to, like, so most people age their age, put their age down by five-year increments. Oh. I feel like I have no data to back this up, but, like. I see. And you're saying, like, 23, you're like, mm, are you? But mm-hmm. 26, you're like, okay. Ronald is president of the Screen Actors Guild, and during their first meeting, uh, romance was far from either Nancy or Ronald's minds when their conversation focused on Nancy's removal from the infamous Hollywood blacklist a not-so-secret list of known and suspected communists. During this era, we have, like, the Red Scare, we have McCarthyism. Yeah. So anyone Is on she the... a communist? Uh, they say no. I don't think so. I feel like it'd be weird, right? So she grew up with her neurosurgeon, well-off, mm-hmm. you know, Fox News watching Stepdad. Right. Anyway, though, anyone who was on the blacklist uh, was pretty much barred from working on motion pictures. 
um, in any capacity. So apparently Nancy, her name had been confused with somebody else um, and it was actually removed from the list. So I think it was like, from what I could find out, kind of an indefinite, but there was like Nancy Robin versus Nancy Robbins. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So she ultimately married Ronald um, in 1952 after three years of dating on and off. Nancy was no stranger to the Hollywood dating scene at large. She connect, was connected to numerous actors during her first few years at MGM, including Clark Gable, Robert Stack, and Peter Lawford. I want to say that I don't know if it's Robert Stack or Peter Lawford, but one of them was like the host of To Catch a Predator, I think. Okay. It's like one of the OG like trim crime shows. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I think it's Robert Stack. Anyway. But yeah, Clark Gable, he's so everyone knows. What a babe. Okay. <laughs> Wasn't he gay? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, well that's a that's another Do that question for another future episode. <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, so Ronald Reagan um, also dated numerous actresses during their non-exclusive three-year courtship. In lieu of a proposal, the two decided to get married while having dinner at a restaurant in Beverly Hills. It was wildly speculated that Nancy was pregnant at the time with their first child, Patty. Scandal. Yeah, she was born less than eight months later. Very healthy baby girl, not small. So. Uh, oh. Um, in 1958, they welcomed a son, Ron. In addition to Ron and Patty, uh, Ronald also had three children from his previous marriage to actress Jane Wyman. I didn't put their names in here, which at first I felt kind of bad about, but then I really didn't in a way because the only place I could actually find their names is on Wikipedia. Like, nobody talks about his kids wow. with Jane Wyman. I mean, I didn't know he had kids before. Neither did I. No one talks about that. Yeah, like, I know that... Patty was very much like a dissident, right? She was like not about, she was a hippie, not about that, you know, rah-rah mm-hmm. Reaganomics life. But anyway. Five kids. It's a lot of kids. It's a lot of kids. No blanks in that pistol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, in 1967, Ronald was elected as governor of California, where he served two terms until 1975. During this time, Ronald received significant guidance, not only from his wife, who has in recent years been revealed to have played a very active role in his political career, but also from celebrity astrologer Carol Reiter, which is like R-I-G-H-T-E-R, not Reiter with W-R, but yeah, Carol Reiter. Um, And Carol's a guy, Um, two L's, like Lewis Carol. Yep whom both he and Nancy had been well acquainted with since the 1950s. At writer's urging, Ronald scheduled his gubernatorial inauguration for 12.10 a.m., nine minutes after the official start of his role as governor. Apparently this was better move for the stars. Okay. I don't know. You don't question Carol Ryder, apparently. Is this the first, like, documented time? So... One of the things I read is that, so back in the 40s and, like, 50s, astrology wasn't considered really a fringe thing. Like, obviously, Hollywood's always kind of been more on the fringe, but, like, it, people have kind of likened it to today when people are really into, like, the keto diet or really into, I don't know, what's a thing people do that they're really into that is almost like fattish? CrossFit. CrossFit? Sure. But, like, I don't know. People thought that, I mean, in my opinion, like, don't at me here, but... So I was a, I, I studied biochemistry in undergrad, and which means nothing now, as I'm now 
in a humanities grad student program. But <laughs> so, right, the moon controls the tides. So there's something in the solar system controlling water. We are mostly water. So in a sense, I feel like there could be some sway there. Do I think that I'm going to base my entire life around my astrology, my horoscope? Uh, no. But then it was not really considered necessarily pseudoscience, more just like, oh, I should look at my horoscope. It's fun. Or like how Ouija boards used to be like a chill family activity. What? Uh, yeah, that is a whole different episode. But like, yeah. Okay. Summoning spirits was just like a chill night. Yeah. Chill Friday night. I, I promise, guys, I will I will absolutely talk about this. Um, Ellen is clearly flummoxed <laughs> right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so no, he, this wasn't like public, but yeah, this is the first like documented thing that we had. Like they consulted writer for a long time, but like the first instance of an astrologer being part of his political life. Okay. As this was the beginning of his political life, but like right from the beginning. Okay, so beyond the day-to-day advice that Nancy and Ronald got from their personal horoscopes, Nancy sought an urgent appointment with a writer in 1975 to discuss whether Ronnie... That's what she called him. Um, he called her mommy. Ronnie and mommy. No. <laughs> tickles me pink. <laughs> <laughs> Should run for president. Uh, now that the end of his second term as governor was approaching. Much to Nancy's chagrin, Ryder told her firmly that the time wasn't right. So after an hour of arguing and refusing to accept his advice, Nancy left the appointment, kind of in a huff, with Ryder saying to his secretary, she wears me out. Mm-hmm. And apparently that was just kind of a general vibe with Nancy. Okay. Like, she was just a lot, which I'm also a lot as a person, but I really hope that when I leave events, people aren't like, oh, she wears me out. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert, though. Uh, Ronald did not win the 1976 presidential election as Carol had predicted. So Carol was right. Carol was right, man. He lost in the primaries to Gerald Ford, who then lost to Jimmy Carter, hashtag said tweet. In 1980, however, the time apparently was right. Reagan beat the incumbent Jimmy Carter by a landslide. Uh, he took 44 states in electoral votes and 50.7% of the popular vote. Carter received the remaining six states and 41% of the popular vote, with the majority of the remaining votes going to the independent candidate, John B. Anderson. Wait, he won 40, would you say 44 In electoral states? votes, Yeah. He had the majority in 44 states. That is crazy. Yeah, it's a, it's a hell of a landslide. And then if you even go beyond the electoral votes, because, like, mm-hmm. I am not knowledgeable enough to talk about how the controversy of the Electoral College, but even if you go past that, he won 9% more of the popular vote than Jimmy Carter. Yeah. Like, he won both ways. Like, this is not a recount election. This right. is, yes, landslide win here. Um, uh, the second I read John B., though, I thought of Outer Banks. John yes. B. and Outer Banks, such a babe. John B. Anderson, I looked him up, not so much. Sorry to any descendants if you got those genes. We will post him on our Instagram. You can decide for yourself. Maybe you think that I am, I have crap opinions about men? Faces? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. If you don't want to kiss him on the mouth, that's, yeah, that's um, your prerogative. I guess, man. Uh, Okay, so now in the White House, the Reagans, led by Nancy, began to consult with a new astrologer, the now-famous Joan Quigley. Fun fact, Quigley (laughs) is the name of my upstairs neighbor's cat. He's a chonky orange boy. So what, Carol just got 
took it out and uh, see. I don't know. Dropped him. I don't even think that. I think it's just the fact that they, because apparently they were like shopping around. I think they wanted somebody who they could like have on call okay. all the time. And like Joan, I don't remember the names, but there were there were a couple articles about how it's like Nancy tried this person and they just didn't work out and she fired them. But Joan is, Joan is. Gemini is the HBIC of astrology in okay. the Reagan administration. Yeah, so I should note that Ronald clearly believed in astrology. <laughs> he was deeply religious. He had a strong affinity for the Presbyterian faith. And a lot of people tend to, especially today, think that there is those kind of buttheads, right? Mm. But again, like I said, in the when Ronald was becoming, you know, an adulty adult in like the 50s, 40s and 50s, astrology wasn't really weird. He didn't see it as like a... I guess, op- oppositional, where you mm-hmm. could do both. Yeah, but then Nancy was either an atheist or agnostic. Uh, so there's a 2020 docuseries that I watched. It's a four-part series. I only watched the last one, which luckily was called Written in the Stars, I believe. That's what it's called. But it was just about this, which is great. It's pretty good, but it's called The Reagans. They say, for her, astrology was a crutch. Nancy did not have a religion to fall back on. And I think that's pretty common with people mm-hmm. who are really into alternative things as opposed to just like a supplemental practice, right? Not that there's anything wrong with crystals and astrology and all those things. If it's your vibe, you go for it. But I do think that there is a tendency for people with a- any sort of spiritual belief system or practice to really, if it's all you have in your life, you cling to it. Yeah. But I think that's just self-preservation. It's like the triad of needs. So, for the first few months of Reagan's presidency in 1981, Joan Quigley served in a similar capacity to writer, giving regular consultations and horoscopes for both Reagan and his campaign, um, albeit to a higher degree of intensity. Uh, this is the presidency, not a state governorship. This would all change on March 30th of that year. So, now in the White House, the Reagans, led by Nancy, began to consult with a new astrologer, the now famous Joan Quigley. So they didn't really drop Carol necessarily, but from what I read, they were just kind of shopping around for a new astrologer that would like almost like kind of come with them okay. to the White House. Because again, Carol already had, Carol was like a, a multimillionaire, like at the time. I didn't convert his net worth to today's oh. dollars, but he was, everybody went to him. Like Grace Kelly went to him. Um, that, that's the one. Clark Gable, everybody famous. Seriously, everyone oh, went to so him. He was already established. He's like, he's like I don't need he's like, Nancy. the Reagans. Bitch, I don't need you. Right. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. So, um, and clearly he wasn't a big fan of Nancy because she was a lot. So, yeah. But they wanted their astrologer. Um, so, I ended up setting, settling on uh, Joan Quigley, who has become really famous in recent years. But I do want to note that while Ronald clearly believed in astrology, uh, there's a quote uh, from the docuseries that I was watching. It's called The Reagans from 2020. <laughs> One of the Secret Service agents said, he was the kind of guy that when he took his paper in the morning at breakfast, the first pages he would read were his horoscope and the funnies. I like, <laughs> like it. Me I, too. And they're like, he's the president. And I'm like, yeah, but the guy's going to have some self-care. Yeah. Read your horoscope. You know, read your Beetle Bailey. You know, read your peanuts. Get a good giggle in. You gotta. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, so Ronald clearly believed in astrology, but he was also deeply religious. He had a strong affinity for his Presbyterian faith, but Nancy was either an atheist or agnostic. She didn't have a religion or another spiritual, um, I guess, system to fall back on. 
So for the first few months of Reagan's presidency in 1981, Joan Quigley was serving in a similar capacity to writer. Um, she was giving regular consultations and horoscopes for Reagan and his campaign. I didn't know you could give a horoscope for like a thing. That's just a person. I guess like a campaign is a mm. aggregate, I guess, but Wait. it makes sense. Oh, I thought you meant like the people on his campaign. I, that's what I thought too, but like I don't, I, I don't, that's all I could find. I don't, either it is. Maybe it was, like, for each cabinet member. Maybe. Like, there's no way. You can't do it for, like, can you? I mean, I don't know anything. Let's, let's just say for the administration, so it is each cabinet member. And, like, sure. can you just imagine being, like, the president's aide, which is literally a thing. If you've watched West Wing, you know it. Yeah, but basically it's just, like, this kid that literally just, like, carries the president's bag and does all those errands for him. But I guess they're, like, best buds. Regardless, though. Anyway, but, yeah, so... She's doing that, but she, obviously she's doing it like a higher degree of intensity than Ryder was. This is the presidency. Mm-hmm. He's not just the governor of California anymore. Um, it still weirds me out that Arnold was the governor of California. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh. Get to the chopper. <laughs> I've directly seen that movie, but my dad does that impression all the time. Okay. Yeah, so she's just, again, it's still intense, but she's... It's just, like, your average stuff. But this totally changes um, on March 30th of 1981, that same year. Uh, there was an assassination attempt on Reagan and members of his cabinet, after which Nancy became, for lack of a better word, obsessed with astrology. Apparently, she would regularly call Joan up to eight times a day for advice. What? She would do this on specially installed phones. She had them all around the White House and Camp David. Which no. Is, yeah. With direct line to Direct lines to Joan. To Joan. Are they still there? That's the real question. Oh my god, that is a real question. Like, I don't know, obviously Joan isn't the same number, but like, could you imagine being the next person to go into office who I believe was H.W. Bush? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. No, so. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, can you imagine <laughs> being the next person to go into office and then you're just like, what the fuck do we do with these phones? Right, because they're everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, but they're apparently everywhere. But frequently, the said she would say she was scared every time he leaves the house. Wow. Yeah. So I will say a lot of the information, I, like quotes, I have from Joan Quigley, they're actually from her sister. Um, I don't actually know if Joan is still alive, but I know she gave interviews after they the Reagans left the White House. Okay. But as of now, only her sister is like giving info, and she's in the docu series, so. I'm not sure. Okay. But yeah, so she would frequently tell Joan that she was scared every time he leaves the house, which is very fair. But I, I feel like it's a different degree when your husband is the leader of the free world, so to say. Yeah. Also, when did they become a thing? The leader of the free world. Maybe. Commander-in-chief. I don't know. It's a name. It's a... Yeah. Regal. Okay. <laughs> was it like your word today? It's regal. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. <laughs> the assassination attempt was the definitive turning point for the sheer amount of influence astrology began to have on the Reagan administration. Like we said, it was once just benign guidance, but it became a strict prescription on pretty much everything the president did, like literally. So Joan, uh, she claimed to be a very good technical astrologer. I don't actually know what that means, but from what I, I try to do some research from what I could gather, and if you are an astrologer or you know more than me, please tell us. 
apparently it's not like affairs of the heart or personal relationships. It's more like physical things like you should not drive to X place on this day. You should not get on a plane. You should not eat toast. Okay. Like more like empirical. Okay. I don't know how that's a thing, but apparently. Yeah, I didn't know you could get that. Apparently that's, it was for Joan, so. Okay. Yeah, but anyway, she, Joan began to recommend everything from takeoff and departure times for Air Force One to when and where a treaty should be signed. Wait, can you just imagine? Yeah. And like, people just let that happen? Like, the Secret Service were like, okay. Like, let's just take a step back and think about the fact that, so the first lady has hired a consultant in a, a a fringe science, for lack of a better word, or pseudoscience, as most of the people at the time and now, you know, probably thought. And this consultant is now making major decisions. So Joan, at the behest of Nancy, uh, dictated the times for press conferences, State of the Unions, uh, but apparently she diffused many difficult situations. Apparently she would be like, make no foreign pronouncements on this day. Which, I, I don't know if that was, you know, a diffusal, but... That's crazy. Her prognostications became, which is just like predictions, but it's different somehow. I don't know. Again, I got most of this from astrology blogs. But it became so in-depth that Don Regan, not to be confused with Ron Reagan, it took me so long, you guys, to get these two straight. But yes, that Don Regan... White House Chief of Staff from 1985 to 1987 kept a color-coded calendar on his desk, so that five times fast, uh, green ink for good days, red for bad days, and yellow for quote-unquote iffy days. Uh, this included when it was propitious to move the President of the United States from one place to another or schedule him to speak in public or commence negotiations with a foreign power. This is all from Don Regan's eventual book, On the Record, uh, but we'll talk about that more later. Okay, so I'm going to read you some of this. This is a, okay, so it says, according to a list provided by Mrs. Reagan to Bill Henkel, a scheduling aide, Quigley had made the following prohibitions based on her reading of the president's horoscope. Uh, I'm not sure what year this is from, but we can assume that this is after after the shooting, right? Oh, fun fact, Ronald Reagan is the first president to survive an assassination attempt. That feels hard to believe, but I guess it's well, true. I feel like there was, wasn't there one who like got shot, but then like died later from the bullet wound. Yeah, I think that was Garfield. Yeah, sure. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that was Garfield. But yeah, so I I'm pretty sure he got shot, but he was fine. Well, Nancy wasn't fine, but anyway. But yes, okay, so this schedule. Late December through March, bad. January 16th through 23rd, wait, very wait, bad. Wait, 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 wait. Late December through March? Mm-hmm. Bad. That's a very but, okay, long we're, we're time. Like, but like, okay, well, we're like zooming in now, though. Like, this is the period. Like, okay. she's just, okay. But yeah, so January 16th, 23rd, very bad. January 20th, nothing outside of White House possible attempt, which I'm assuming is a possible assassination attempt. Mm-hmm. Okay, February 20th through 26th, be careful. Uh, I'm not going to keep doing the dates, but we say bad period. No outside activity, exclamation point. Very bad. No, no, 
No trips exposure. No public exposure. Careful, careful, careful. Stay home. Th th this is a list Whoa. from... Yeah, so this goes from January 16th to April 28th. Yeah, um, yeah. And these are... I feel like I should have totaled about how many... Most of... Think about, like, this is about four months, and he's just not supposed to leave the White House. Like, that's... You can't do that. Right, how are you supposed to do your job? Oh, yeah, so Don Regan said, obviously this list of dangerous or forbidden dates left very little latitude for scheduling. I'm with him on that. I don't really think I like Don Regan, but I will say the man is a very eloquent speaker. Look him that. So he also said, the frustration of dealing with a situation in which the schedule of the President of the United States was determined by occult prognostications was very great far greater than any other I had known in nearly 45 years of working life. <laughs> Man, Don's going off. <laughs> a little extreme, maybe. <laughs> okay, so, but when he was asked about Nancy and astrology, Ronald would say, that's her thing. Leave her alone. In the words of Reagan biographer Kitty Kelly, uh, Kitty, uh, if you're listening, I'm sorry that your parents did that to you. That doesn't sound like a regular name. Kitty Kelly? Kitty Kelly? Kitty Kelly? Kitty, like a kitty Thank cat, not you. Katie Kelly. That sounds like a, a spicy gymnast name. Kitty Kelly. Kitty Kelly. I'm kind of about it. Kitty Kelly? I'd, I'd, I'd go as Kitty. Yeah, you'd get with Kitty. I don't no. know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Kitty, I guess I'm I'm just, I'm, I'm in the gutter. Um, Ellen thinks you're cool. You, you were cool on the show. I just, anyway. Okay, unless your name's like Kathleen Kelly, like America's sweetheart Meg Ryan, and you've got mail. Anyway, I digress. Uh, but <laughs> Katie Kelly, you said uh, it was astrology that charted their way. Apparently, though, uh, besides her weird, uh, you have to stay inside, you have to stay inside, shut in, um, very secret garden style thing, but... Joan apparently could tell him how or when to, quote-unquote, twist the arm of a congressman. Um, basically, she would tell him, you know, go take him out to a nice dinner. Or, like, you should talk to him then. Talk to him then. You know, like, oh. he's got a mistress. You should, like, elude the fact that you could just tell his wife. Yeah, no, 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 no. And part of me doesn't know how no, much of this, no. right? See, in my head, so I'm, like, the nosiest person anyone knows. Mm -hmm. I know I know lots of stuff. I can figure it out, and I want to know. And part of me wonders if Joan's just nosy, like me, or if Joan is just getting this all from the stars, or both. Probably both. Probably both. Why not be resourceful? That's fair. Work harder. I'm sorry. Work smarter, not harder. <laughs> I tell my kids that on their quizzes. Uh, oh, my kids. They're all, like, 18. Old. <laughs> they think I'm ancient. I'm eight years older than them, which makes me terrified. <laughs> uh, I teach college freshmen. So, okay, but so towards the end of Reagan's presidency, it became clear that he was suffering from dementia, which eventually progressed into clinical Alzheimer's. Retrospectively, Reagan would be experiencing mild symptoms throughout his entire presidency. Alzheimer's typically takes about 10 years to fully surface, and if it's happening in the end of his presidency, he's had Alzheimer's his entire presidency. Wow. Yeah, which... Not to say if you are a person of a certain age that you have dementia, 
but it still makes me a little concerned about Creepy Joe. <laughs> God. <sighs> yeah. What uh, do we know the early signs of um, Alzheimer's? Well, so one of the biggest things, like in pop culture especially, is so. Ronald Reagan used to say, I don't recall frequently during press conferences. And reporters would be like, oh, he's just he's just beating around the bush. He doesn't mm-hmm. actually answer. But now it's like, no, he actually didn't know what they were talking about. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know if it was good or bad that no one knew, right? Probably good at the time. Yeah. There's, a lot of, there's still a lot of stigma. But I mean, at the same time, it's like, I wouldn't want someone with Alzheimer's running the country. Right? I mean, I wouldn't want me running the country. You don't want somebody, mm-hmm. even though I'm on medication, my laundry list of, what do I have? Depression, anxiety, panic disorder, bipolar disorder, and ADHD. You don't want me running the country. <laughs> no one wants that. <laughs> no. So if you have dementia, uh, uh, no. So I I get why they wouldn't want to talk about that. But yeah. So as our girl, Kitty Kelly, said, this is a man who has his hand on a nuclear button. And his hands are being dictated by astrologers. Yeah. 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 But yeah, and like I said, regardless of what you think about astrology, this plus dementia, that is, that's not a stellar place to be as an administration. No. Okay, so in January of 1986, according to Quigley, uh, Reagan began moving into a very bad astrological period with horrible aspects gathering for Reagan. My only uh, context for an aspect uh, in terms of astrology is from Harry Potter when Lavender Brown tells Professor Trelawney, Ooh, Professor, I think I have an unexpected planet. And she says, which is it? She says, it's Uranus, my dear. And then Ron is like, can I see Uranus, Lavender? And then (laughs) Professor Trelawney apparently hears and gives him extra homework. And I feel like I should be ashamed that I can literally quote probably the whole book word for word because I put the audiobooks on for white noise when I feel sad, but I'm I'm not ashamed. I'm impressed. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. It feels like they're all very negative uh, readings that she's giving him, right? We haven't heard any like, oh, this is a good day. Uh, no. Yeah, this I, is a good period. Yeah, that's... I, I didn't even think about that, but you're right. Like, the only things that are good is, like, this is a good time to, like, get what you want from this person. But, see, in that context, then, I have a... Part of me wonders if she's almost just pandering to Nancy because she knows Nancy is terrified mm-hmm. for the life and safety of her husband. Yeah. And maybe she's just like, you know what? To keep Nancy happy, I'm just going to keep him inside. But also, maybe, though... I'm not going to say it's like folia de, where it's like a shared hallucination, but I feel like it, it, it people kind of, if you're in an environment of stressed out people, you're going to get stressed out. Mm-hmm. So if she's worried about her husband and then Joan's worried about her husband and then just goes back and forth. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I could see it like getting sure. each other worked up. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, you know, you're right. There is. It's never, like, great time to go tour the country. You know, it's yeah. all, like... I mean, the man did have two terms. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there had to be some good things, but... I don't know. I mean, and again, Don Regan's shitting on everything that he's doing, but it's also like Don Regan didn't see you win the presidency. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> yeah, it's like... to 
he's got some very valid points, but a lot of it, he's like, oh, the whole campaign was being run by astrology. Kind of reminds me of people who will go to a museum, they'll look at modern art. It's like, oh, I could do that. But then there's this tour guide who once said, yeah, but you didn't. Which is just like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, again, you didn't you didn't do that. Who? I mean, obviously we care how he did it, but again, he still did it. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so Reagan, Ronnie, uh, has got some horrible aspects, and Joni and Nancy are not letting him have press conferences during this time. Joni and Mommy, excuse me. Um, mommy so these, and Tommy. <laughs> Ronnie and Mommy. Ronnie and Mommy and Joni, oh my. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> Lions and checkers and bears? No? Okay. <laughs> I guess we don't like that. Okay. But yeah, so Joan prognosticated to Nancy that he shouldn't have any press conferences because they could have led to political or literal assassination. This ultimately led to Reagan having fewer than one press conference every other month. Caused the public to think he was hiding from the press. Which, how many times do you see the president on TV or like a televised? Right, or like all on the time. Can you imagine? I mean, granted, of course, this is you know the '80s, but the media's maybe the quality of media has changed. But honestly, if anything, I feel like things were more televised then. Right, like any time the president was gonna be speaking, that would be like. The big news of the day. Yeah, I would and yeah, and again, even this in the docu series, they talk about how the the Reagans, because of their experience in Hollywood, they would use the media to their advantage to mm. manipulate the state of things. Because if you're a photographer or reporter and the president steps out, you have to go there no matter what, even if you think it's BS. You have to go take a picture. Yeah, yeah. People think he's hiding from the press, and then fast forward to. The pr- Are we at this point, like, is he actually hiding from the press? Because we don't, so he's we not don't, doing well? So kind of in all of this, it's been kind of retrospectively speculated that Nancy, beyond just astrology with Joan, Nancy's like, yeah, he's not all there, mm-hmm. right? And Side note, I can't imagine what it's like to have somebody that you love, that you've spent your life with, just slip away in front of you, especially in a high-profile position. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of twofold. Like, we can see from, you know, the governance that Nancy was into politics. Like, she was down to clownch. Like, she was not just a shrinking violet. And a side note, though, she had the stupid traditional first lady like project which was the just say no campaign against mm-hmm. drugs god i guess i i don't know who i disliked more or her or Mel- i think yeah her or melania it's a toss-up i applaud melania for getting that bag right like <laughs> people shit on sugar babies but it's like that's a job like anything else yeah i can i wouldn't want to do her job <laughs> I can hear your champagne through the mic. Uh, if any of you are wondering, we when we record, we drink bubbly. I tried to make that sounds like on Wednesdays we were pink, but it didn't really go that way. So anyway, but yeah, so we don't really think he's hiding from the press, but either Nancy or Joan is 
truly thinking it's just not astrologically sound or if they're manipulating it because he's not ready. We just don't know. But let's just assume that Nancy really is buying his astrology. And again, all of our sources are telling us that she believes wholeheartedly in this. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's just the star is saying, nope. Ronnie does not get to go out to play. But then in 1986, uh, he did get to go out to play to the press conference surrounding the Canadian caper. This was the inspiration for the 2012 film Argo, which caused Reagan's first ever approval rating plummet. This once again only served to further Nancy's belief in the importance of astrology on Ronald's campaign and life overall. So from what I understand, this press conference, he had to make a statement about this. Mm Mm-hmm because he just had to, right? So if you don't really know what's going on, um, if you don't really know what the containing caper is about, I'm going to give a terrible um, nutshell explanation here. But basically, there are these reporters that are stuck in Iran, and basically they're trying to, like, trade them to get out. In the movie Argo, they're, like, making a fake movie about it, and there's these things. I haven't actually seen Argo. Regardless, there's some shenanigans that happen, but... Overall, what ends up really happening is that Ronnie trades nuclear weapons kind of to Iran for the journalists, which Iran then turns around and, not nuclear weapons, sorry, maybe no, just weapons, I think, and gives them to Nicaragua. And the Nicaraguans were currently trying to have a coup over the current government, and there had literally just been a law passed that the U.S., no one in the U.S. government was allowed to help the Nicaraguans overthrow their government. But he, so, yeah. I will say that he ended up giving a press conference after this whole debacle that people are like, only Ronald Reagan could get people. So he literally said, my heart told me that I was just framing these journalists but after the fact, my head told me that what I had done was wrong. Can you imagine a president going on air that was like, my head, but my heart. But his approval rating shot back up. The people were like, oh. But yeah, only I Ronald. I mean, I guess people can identify with that. I yeah, I know. guess. But, but, but he literally gave a bunch of, I mean, what's the word? Uh, armaments. He gave arms and artillery and weapons to a bunch of rebels in a country that he wasn't allowed to do it for. For I'm not saying you shouldn't have gotten those, I think, three journalists back. But, like, think about an entire country and all the casualties that's going to happen because of your actions mm-hmm. versus three people. Like, being a leader of anything, it sucks. You're, you're yeah. playing triage all the time. Being a doctor, you're playing triage in an emergency room. Mm-hmm. Who gets your attention first? Right? Right. Anyway, um, yeah, so we're back to the press conference. We're, this is pre him being head in my heart, cute little Ronnie on TV. But yeah, so after this absolute shit show of a press conference, because he basically admits on national TV that he did this. So Nancy is like, well, shit. Impeachment is a real possibility. And then she blames all of that on Don Regan, the oh. chief of staff, right? And she's like, he's the problem. And from what I can understand, he's the reason they did the press conference. Because, like, he had to do the press conference, right? Like, right. this wasn't just, like, talking about the state of, I don't even know. Um, 
what what you know what I'm saying like mm-hmm. yeah right like a hostage yeah. crisis yeah um so anyway though uh, at this point in this presidency uh during his second term overall uh Nancy is a really big part of policy changes and political decisions which um which really means that astrology was a big part of policy changes and political decisions again from what we can see pretty much everything that happened during the Reagan era was done with the blessing of astrology via Joan via Nancy. That's like, which crazy is just to think wild. About. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, uh, not surprisingly, Don Regan was not about this. He's the chief of staff. And this is not least because, so at this time, the Reagan administration is cozying up to the far evangelical right, uh, which began to be called the moral majority, um, which is like now you'd call them like the good old boys. Woof. Um, so doing it for donor dollars. Um, uh, Reagan wasn't a regular churchgoer. Like he had a strong faith, like we're talking about, but he had zero interest in radicalism. Again, like we talked about how the fact that he used to be a Democrat, but then he realized mm-hmm. he could get elected as a Republican. Granted, he had some, yeah, he didn't really have the strongest uh, convictions. Apparently he was very pro-nuclear until he watched a made-for-TV movie about a nuclear uh, annihilation. Uh, and that's what changed his mind. Yeah, he watched a fictional movie. and he's Not like, like any briefs. Or... No, like not anybody from the EPA, <laughs> not any actual scientists. It was a crappy made-for-TV movie. Wow. Yeah, and I want to say it was on Showtime. I don't know. Um, I, I forgot the name of the movie, but yeah. So, yeah, he was just right in the middle, right? And he would basically... I'm not going to say he would say anything to get approval, but again, like he just kind of, he's playing the field, right? Really. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so he's talking to these really, like they are the right. They're not like, they're the far right. Um, And he meets with Reverend Jerry Falwell, um, think Westboro Baptist. He's just fire and brimstone. I believe he was a TV minister. Um, And he was obsessed with Roe v. Wade. Which, if you don't know, I feel like most of you do. This was the U.S. Supreme Court decision about uh, legalizing abortion in America. But after this meeting, a cabinet member who was there with him asked Reagan if he actually planned on reversing it. And Ronald Reagan looks at him and quips back, do I look insane? (laughs) Yeah, so let's just... Yeah, again, so it's like whatever he believes, he wants to stay in office. Mm -hmm. Which, again, I don't necessarily think is a... For the vast majority of presidents, I feel like they are willing to do what they have to to stay in there, especially if they're shooting for a second term. Mm-hmm. Right, he's in his second term, so, but anyway, yeah, so Regan's fired. and In the middle of the presidency. Yeah, Regan, chief of staff. Wow. Chief of staff for like two years, but, and this is purely Nancy. This is, and everyone's like, can she do that? Well, she did that. <laughs> like, I, yeah, no. Reagan's pretty isolated. Um, he's getting very few press conferences, public appearances. And honestly, this could either be because of astrology or because he royally fucked up with the Canadian caper. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's pretty much out of the limelight until the first summit with then president of the Soviet Union, Mikhail Gorbachev, in December of 1987. So prior to this meeting, Joan convinces Nancy, who convinces Reagan, that Gorbachev is an intellectual. He could be influenced by Reagan's maturity and experience because for the most 
of Gorbachev's political career, he's been surrounded by more experienced men. And in theory, this is going to endear him to Reagan. Reagan, prior to Donald Trump, was the oldest president to be sworn in. Okay. Uh, I don't know how to feel the fact that we have then surpassed that once again um, with Mr. Jill Biden. So, yeah, uh, I kind of, who decided it was going to become a thing that would be like, Mrs. Arnold Smith. No, you're Mrs. Ann Smith, right? Oh. <laughs> right? It's like, no. So, yeah, he's Mr. Jill Biden, so. Mr. Mr. Dr. Jill Biden, really. Anyway. I like that. Love that. Okay. Anyway. So, but yeah, Joan comes to this conclusion that this is how it's going to work. That Gorbachev's going to just roll with what Reagan wants because he's going to look up to him, right? Okay. And she does all this by reading Gorbachev's personal horoscope. Um, and she's trying to manipulate this. She thinks that it's going to be good to change the quote-unquote evil empire attitude. Uh, part of the first summit, which I think most people have really experienced that in media, right? If you've watched almost any movie from that time period, they're like, it's the Soviets, the Russians, all mm-hmm. these things, right? And I am not at all an expert on Russian policy at that time, but again, there's a big othering movement there, right? Just like, I really, it is a perfect um, analogy to the Middle East now, right? Mm-hmm. It was the Soviets, Okay, so she's trying to push the evil empire attitude out of this thing. Um, so the summit was an overall success. It took place after what was arguably the most influential moment of Reagan's presidency. Mr. Gorbachev tear down this wall. Spoiler alert, uh, he did two years later <laughs> in 1989. Uh, yeah, shocker. Berlin is now one Berlin. I went to Berlin when I was living in Poland, and... I feel like I wasn't old enough to appreciate it. Hmm. I don't, and also, I, I was also a bunch of like a bunch of like eighteen year olds like myself. It wasn't. I feel like you have to be a little, be a little bit more disenfranchised sure. to do in Berlin. I don't yeah. know. It's like a. If you're in Germany, if you're a Berliner, explain to me. I don't. I think I'm too fun to be a Berliner. I think you're not fun, but you're more intense <laughs> in a good way. But anyway. Um, but yeah, so at this point, we're basically at the end of Reagan's presidential career. But Don Reagan is still pissed. So then he publishes he publishes this infamous tell-all book we talked about before, For the Record, in 1988. This is detailing everything even remotely salacious that ever occurred during his time in the Reagan White House, which is, if you haven't heard, a lot. Uh, we have an entire eight-year presidential campaign that has essentially been led by two women who's it's an astrologer and the first lady which in, in theory is cool that they're pulling the strings but also like they weren't who was elected true a lot of influence by yeah and people, i mean I th- but yeah yeah and unfortunately it's it, it's unfor- it's well it's unfortunate in many ways but to me it's like if you were to flip it right let's say we had a female president hashtag soon we hope future female but if her husband was pulling the strings behind the scenes, that would be not great. Mm-hmm. But again, it's a weird duality. It's the 80s. We're in a different spot. But again, she wasn't who was elected. Uh, anyway, though, 
Yeah, so the main theme of, for the record, Regan's book um, is that Ronald Reagan is weak and indecisive and was controlled by Nancy, who was controlled by Joan. Really. I say controlled by Joan, but she listened to everything Joan said. Is there any evidence that Joan had, like, malicious motives or doing things for her own gain? Not really, to be honest. I was looking into that, and they didn't pay Joan, like, exorbitant amounts of money. It was, like, a regular job. Um, But, yeah, so... So, here we go. So, to her credit, like, uh, question? Nancy actually stopped speaking to Joan right after the summit with Gorbachev. Right. Um, and she knew because she knew that Regan was like, she, he's going to write a book. Right. Mm-hmm. We burn too many bridges. He doesn't like me. And also he's got people are going to buy that. Right. It's just yeah. something interesting. But actually, in their last conversation, this is before the end of Regan's presidency. Nancy told Joan, Joan, you can't say anything. Lie if you have to. Just lie. <gasps> yeah. Right. So Nancy. But like lie about what? That she was involved. That. Oh. Yeah, she's like, we can't admit to the American public that, A, we've been running this presidency, and B, we've been running it based on the stars. Mm. Right? Like, yeah, I don't know how to feel about that fact. Because, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. How much time is left in his presidency at this point? I want to say about a year is left. So, for the record, came out right after the presidency ended, I believe. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, but yes, this is the beginning of Nancy putting a shield around Ronald. Um, they called it the mantle of heaven. Like, this is actually a term specifically for Nancy and Ronald, um, who, uh, side note, uh, multiple biographers and historians have called them the American, oh, what is it? like the American presidential love story or like the the White House romance or something. I guess they were like a really loving couple Aww. and just overall, besides the other stuff, right, but them together outside of the context of the presidency, they were a great couple. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so Nancy clearly knows that Ronald is losing it and she's, mm-hmm. again, she's trying to protect him. She's been doing this for a long time, either her own ambition, but actually protecting him. But yeah, so she wants his image protected, but mostly she's protecting people from knowing that his mental state is deteriorating. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so again, regardless of how you feel about Joan or astrology or Nancy, I am of the strong belief that Joan and Nancy were solely, like nobody else, uh, they upheld what has come to be known uh, the myth of the perfect president. So... People do look back. People are always like the good old days, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's people tend to attribute that to Reagan's presidency. Um, again, and clearly there were tons of things were wrong, right? We're talking about the crack epidemic. We're talking about AIDS. All these things that he just didn't really acknowledge. But he, there still is this myth of the perfect president. Yeah. Um, in the aftermath that followed Reagan's book, our pal Joan gave the following statement. Statement. I am a serious political astrologer, and I object to the whole circus atmosphere surrounding this situation. She also vowed to never work in politics ever again. Wow. Yeah, that's... That was enough for her to... She was Audi 5000. Wow. Yeah. That was it. Joan was... 
She wasn't having it. What, did she just kind of go off into the sunset and not much more from her? Yeah, I, from what I, let me see. Let's see if Joan is still alive. I'm putting some elevator music here. Okay. Yep. She. Okay. So Joan Quigley died in 2014. Oh man. She was, it looks like she was 93. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I love this picture of her so much. This has to go on Instagram. Oh my God. I, so she is wearing what looks like it's a spinel, uh, which was a very popular stone um, in the 70s um, and 80s. It's like a, almost like a, it looks like a green apple uh, sucker. Like it's that kind of palish oh, okay. green color. But she's got some big ass spinel earrings, a chunky 80s gold cocktail ring, and a chunky spinel ring. And now when people ask me, if you want to have dinner with anybody dead or alive, I'm going to say Joan Quigley. That's who I want to she talk to. Like a hoot. <laughs> she does sound like a hoot. Yeah. Apparently she did write a book or Nancy Reagan's astrologer, How I Ran the White House. I did not read that book for this. Um, I feel like that would have been, this would have been way too long of a podcast episode. <laughs> but, anyway. but really though, sounds like she did run the white house she did run the she white ran house nancy who ran reagan who ran yeah. the white house she definitely did yeah i don't have anything else to say on that that's just a <laughs> whew. i ever since i did this research i've been thinking about this every day i can't uh, yeah i mean and now astrology is kind of back in it but again it's not i can't even imagine yeah, the fact that we're not ready for an atheist president or a jewish president or a female president like thinking back, like can you think about somebody who is interested in alternative spirituality? No, I don't think the American public or almost any Western culture would roll with that. Was it known at the time, like how influential? I guess not. That's why Nancy told her to lie. So nobody had, other than truly, other than people, the immediate White House staff, no one had any idea. That this was going on. No. That Joan was running the country. No. No one had any idea that Joni, Joni Q was the HBAC. No one had any idea. You're right. She's pretty cool. She is super cool. Yeah. Do we have any lessons learned or lessons takeaways? Learned. Takeaways. Don't mess with astrologers, man. They just might influence American history. <laughs> <laughs> That was way more poignant than I ever meant it to be. <laughs> oh, God. Um, you can find us uh, on Instagram at Hawkeye's History. Uh, you can also email us at History at gmail.com. Send us all of your hot takes on our latest episode and any ideas that you might have for future episodes. So stay juicy. Have some good gals. <laughs> <laughs>